welcome to a rather somber episode coming off a rather somber weekend. The divisional round happened, and now we are on to championship weekend. We said we were going to do a podcast for every week of the playoffs, and that certainly won't change despite how we may be feeling toward football at the moment. What a crazy weekend it was. All four games came down to the final play, and there was lots of pain and celebration to go around for various fan bases. Uh, Robbie, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, um, I think that despite the fact that this was maybe one of the most exciting playoff weekends of football that we've ever experienced in our lifetimes, it still had a, a sour feel to the weekend. But nevertheless, we're going to have to talk about it because that is our job here at Potty Trade Me. We're catering to our audience, which is you guys. Thanks for listening. We promised an episode, and just like with every other moment, good or bad, we're in this one together. Let's get into it, starting with the worst. Uh, 49ers at Packers. Yeah, so this game happened. Um, the Packers <laughs> lost 13-10. to on a last-second field goal, that could be Aaron Rodgers' last game in a Packer uniform. It could also be Devontae Adams' last game in a Packer uniform. Objectively speaking, this was four quarters of awful football. Before I get into all the negatives, I'd like to say that the Packers' defense as a whole was great, but especially Rashawn Gary just had a hell of a game. Uh, so for every slap on this one, you know, there were some options for sure. There was... Uh, now I'm free from what you are, or is it getting better, or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You've got someone to blame, and definitely a few others, but there's really only one correct answer, and that is Audio Slave. Uh, they have three albums together. That is Chris Cornell, the singer from Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog, and others, uh, teaming up with the three members of Rage Against the Machine, minus their singer, and on their last album, they had a song called Nothing Left to Say But Goodbye. That's our slap. Pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, this is a uh, hard one to swallow, especially because of what you said. That this may, in fact, be Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Packer. We have been Packers fans our entire life. That's kind of part of the reason that we got so into the NFL. And now seeing that it's all coming to an end potentially um, compounded with year after year of disappointment in the playoffs. It's just, as I said, it's really hard to swallow. So, yeah, this is a tough one, but nothing left to say but goodbye is a great slap to sum up this game. Well, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers, too, because honestly, he kind of sucks right now, if I'm just going to put it plain and simple. We had a whole episode defending him back in the spring, and why he might have snapped that last offseason right before the NFL draft, criticizing management, their passive approach, sticking up for our quarterback, how he was forced to play on this crazy transcendent level in order to cover up all ills of that football team. Now I'm done with that. Um, here's my fun stat for you today. Guess how many receiving yards Packers receivers not named Devontae Adams collectively had in that game last weekend? How many? Six. Six! Oh, no. Six receiving yards to not Devontae Adams. Well, Aaron Jones had a lot, too, but that's beside the point. So, 
I mean, Aaron Rodgers acted like an asshole for the entirety of the offseason and during the season. His COVID comments and intentional violation of protocols were both ridiculous and selfish. We tried to block it all out and just focus on football because when he played, it was at an MVP level. We were hoping for one more Super Bowl to celebrate together. So, yeah, actually, let me just focus on football for a second because that's what we've done for months. We have defended this guy for 11 straight years with medium to extreme level of disappointment finishes to the season. And actually, I'm just going to go through them because we've already done it together, so why not just do it really quickly? Uh, they won the Super Bowl in the 2010-2011 season, but from there on, it's been pretty awful. And uh, I'll go through it. So 2011, they went 15-1 and in the regular season, were the clear favorites to win the Super Bowl again. They lost to the Giants at home in the divisional round in 2012. They lost to the 49ers on the road in the divisional round when Kaepernick ran for 500 yards. So the number always seems to change, but you get the point. They couldn't tackle. 2013, they lost to the 49ers at home this time on a last-second field goal, which, by the way, would never happen again. That was ridiculous. In 2014, they had their epic NFC Championship collapse in Seattle, probably the worst of those 11. Then in 2015, they lost in overtime at Arizona after the Hail Mary to force overtime. It was the Larry Fitzgerald touchdown that sent them packing. 2016, they actually started 4-6, and six, finished their way to get into the playoffs. They made it to the NFC Championship and did what they did best, which is lose NFC Championship games. They lost 44-21 to 21 to the Falcons. But then again, if you're Falcons fans, they probably wish that they had actually lost that NFC Championship game. That's beside the point. Uh, 2017, they missed the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone very early on in the season, and they were unable to get into the playoffs. 2018, they missed the playoffs again. Rodgers was healthy, but the team was awful, and it was Mike McCarthy's final year. He was fired midway through the season. 2019, they lost 37-20 to the 49ers in the NFC Championship. That game was pretty much over after two drives. And then 2020, of course, they lost to the Bucks at home in the NFC Championship, the other worst one in that mix. 2021 was this year. Statistically, Aaron Rodgers wasn't that bad, I guess. 20 for 29, 225 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, 91 passer rating. But the stats don't always tell the story. Do you have any thoughts on anything before I just go into a full-on rant? I just hate the fact that I had to relive all that trauma of year after year of disappointment. But um, yeah, it just paints a really good picture of how, you know, I, as you said, we've been defending Aaron Rodgers his entire career for coming up short in the playoffs. And sure, it wasn't always his fault. There was um, subpar defenses. A lot of times other players didn't come to play. There were tough matchups. But the bottom line is... There is a pattern here, and it seems like he really hasn't shown up in the biggest moments after putting up these great regular season numbers. Um, so, yeah, I would just like to say that the 49ers officially own us in the playoffs, 0-4. That's the toughest part. Um, yeah, there's really no way around this one. But, yeah, I mean, the frustrating thing about that game was that the first drive, we go down, our offense looks amazing, score an easy touchdown, um, we force 
a punt to the Niners, get the ball back, we're driving, and then Mercedes Lewis has the fumble, and then from that point on, the offense really did just not look the same. As you said, his stats were fine on paper, but really the offense and Aaron Rodgers did not play well. No, I'm glad you bring up the Mercedes Lewis part of that, actually, because not only did the Packers' offense not look the same, Aaron Rodgers looked like a different person both on and off the field, which is a little ridiculous to say that that early in a game. The bottom line is you can't score 10 points in a playoff game, right? Like, yes, we've defended Aaron Rodgers. He has come up big before, done some epic things. He's also fallen short plenty of times. And his defense finally was great. They allowed six points. They came up with a big red zone interception at the end of the first half. You needed 13 points to make overtime a possibility and 14 to win. And you're the MVP and you're playing at home. And oh man, special teams is horrible. Yeah, special teams was terrible, right? They suck. But guess what? And I turned to you and I said this in the middle of the game. You still have the ball tied 10-10 with a chance for a game-winning drive after that disaster. So if you're really that guy, go and win the game. And you went instead a three and out, and on the third down play, you just didn't even look at your other receivers, chucked it into double coverage to Devontae Adams, you know, and it didn't work out, and they punted, and we all know what happened after that. So, yeah, it's just really frustrating to score 10 points like that, and he didn't look the same after the Mercedes Lewis fumble. He stopped throwing to people he didn't trust, a.k.a. not Aaron Jones or yeah. Devontae Adams. And you know what? He kind of looks like he doesn't care a good chunk of the time. He would only throw to those top two targets. His body language lacked urgency. He makes all these passive-aggressive comments in the post game, And am I too far removed from the situation to be making these big assumptions? I mean, probably. But when you take everything you see on the field and in front of the camera and then couple that with the types of things that he says off the field and how he appears in front of the camera, it all seems to glue to the same puzzle, you know, kind of fitting this profile of smartest guy in the room above everybody else, tends to play the victim, uh, sometimes looks checked out and not dialed in, yada, 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 kind of all fits this same profile. And at the end of the weekend, like, which quarterback do you feel worse for as they're walking off the field? Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen? It's got to be Josh yeah, Allen. Exactly. It's like Josh Allen for sure played his freaking heart out, had pretty much a perfect playoffs. I don't know what much more he could have done other than win a coin toss. And yeah, so you're watching them walk to the locker room and you're like, Josh Allen is a guy that's all in on his team. And we've yeah. talked about this before. Pro got vaccinated probably because not like it necessarily aligned with his ideology, but it was putting his team in the best position to succeed. Um, yeah, and look, if this punt isn't blocked and the Packers hold on and win that game and then go on to win the Super Bowl, would we be saying completely different things and making a lot of new justifications? Yes, almost certainly. But guess what? They didn't and they won't. So now it's a different discussion. And I'm tired of Aaron Rodgers. I'm tired of the way he acts on and off the field. I'm tired of how he likes to play the victim and looks checked out and 
I don't know if Mercedes Lewis fumbling just sent him into this funk where he's like, oh, this sucks. Like, I can't throw to anybody that I don't trust. It, look, maybe it did and maybe it absolutely didn't. And we don't know. But the fact that we have to even speculate and have that discussion is so stupid. Because I'm actually going to say something really positive about Tom Brady, which I know is crazy. <laughs> like how the tables have turned, right? This might be a first and the last on potty trade, so enjoy it. Probably both. <laughs> yes. But we don't root for Tom Brady. He pisses us off. He is probably the luckiest player of all time. We'll get to him more in a second. But I'm going to say this about Tom Brady, which is he never looks like he doesn't want to be a complete killer. And if he's pissed off because his team is losing, it looks like this psycho competitive pissed off. And I'm not just saying that because he comes back and wins games. It's, you just see this look and you're like, damn, that guy is angry. Like, he hates losing so much. And with Aaron Rodgers, it kind of looks like he's checked out, he's frustrated. Remember, we've seen in regular season games too where they get down early and he kind of just seems to like have this giving up sense. And I don't know what it is because sometimes he looks dialed in, like the regular season game against the 49ers, totally yeah. dialed in. But sometimes he gets into these weird funks and – from a talent perspective, he's amazing, but he pisses me off so much with how he acts, and it's not a guy that's got to be good for a locker room. Obviously, the things that he says off the field are just really triggering and frustrating. It all glues to that puzzle like I was talking about. Yeah. And I'm just going to end by saying that I'm thankful for the – happy memories we've gotten to experience together bonding over this football team I appreciate Aaron Rodgers for how nice he was to us the two times that we've met him but right now that all feels like it was from a different lifetime and so yeah after watching all of that play out for months and then having that performance be our justification for still rooting for him and this team I in the words of Chris Cornell have nothing left to say but goodbye wow that was poetic. You know what? Let's move on. I'm tired of talking about it. So you don't tired have nothing to add? About it. I have nothing left to say good goodbye. But what I do have to say is one question for you, Greg. Yeah. Why not us? Oh, my goodness. Why not us? Well, let's talk about the Bengals and the Titans. Okay, cool. Let's move on from that game. Um, our every slap for this game, well, to be honest, this was hard to come up with because I didn't think the Bengals would be here, and I guess a lot of people didn't, hence the why not us, but we're going to go with Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting by Elton John because the Bengals have now won two Saturday playoff games in a row. Congratulations to them for pulling off the upset in Nashville and moving on to the AFC Championship game where they will face the Kansas City Chiefs. I also want to give a sincere congratulations to the Bengals because among the four teams that played on Saturday, they by far played like they wanted to win the most just by being like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Honestly, I think that the Packers and 49ers should both be eliminated and another team should make it instead. Probably the Bills. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I texted you guys that yeah. on Sunday night. In a fair world, that's what happens. But well, it's not fair. Life is not fair. Um, the Titans maybe did not put up quite as pathetic of a performance as the Packers. but Or the 49ers. Or the 49ers. <laughs> but Ryan Tannehill in particular did not play well that game. He had a couple big throws, but 
He threw three costly interceptions. Um, Including one on the first play. On the first play of the game and his last pass of the game. So a nice interception sandwich there. Um, Wasn't it also like Brett Favre's first pass of his career? Was it pick six? Oh, no, no. It was Jameis Winston. His first pass as a buck was a pick six. And his last pass as a buck was a pick six. So a pick six sandwich. Uh, anyways, that's besides the point. The Titans did not play well. Credit to the Bengals for capitalizing on their poor performance. I did not think that they were going to be here um, during championship weekend, but you do got to give credit where credit is due. We talked last episode about how that franchise was not doing well two years ago and a very quick turnaround. Now they're here. Um, do you think that they have any chance against the Chiefs? Not really. I don't mean, I don't think, there's no way that they can win the game, but it's just like, I would bet the Chiefs probably, you know, 19 times out of 20 in this one. And I know the Bengals beat them in week 17. That's the only game the Chiefs have lost in their last 12 or 13 weeks. So it's pretty crazy. But, um, yeah, I don't want to say this to discredit Joe Burrow at all because his offensive line allowed nine sacks on the day, and he still threw for 348 yards. And unlike a certain quarterback we just spent 10 minutes talking about, he actually did rise to the occasion at the very end. So great job to Joe Burrow. But I do think the Bengals' defense deserves a little more credit than they've been given just for coming up with those big plays. I know Tannehill didn't play that great, but they held the Titans to 16 points and still had to defend Derrick Henry. I don't care if it was the version of Derrick Henry that was MVP level and he was coming off an injury, but still looked pretty good. And they did it, you know, so good for the Bengals. Uh, Their defense was kind of banged up and they still lost a day to travel, rose to the occasion, got it done. And I'm also glad I asked you the spontaneous A.J. Brown or Jamar Chase question last week because they both showed out with some big-time performances. Yeah, definitely. A.J. Brown had that big touchdown catch, um, which was probably Ryan Tannehill's best throw of the day. And Jamar Chase continues to put up a big performance in both of these playoff games. Um, So a lot of credit is due to him, especially as a young guy. Do you still stand on the Jamar Chase side? I don't know. That's actually funny. When I was watching the game, I was thinking about it, and A.J. Brown just looks so good when he's fully healthy. But you did mention the injury problems last week. So if that continues to be a problem later in his career, I think I do stand by Jamar Chase just for the durability aspect. Okay. I'll stick with A.J. Brown. I think I'm probably in the minority at this point with the Jamar Chase-A.J. Brown debate, but... I don't know. Something about him, just he's so physical. He's so big. It just scares me. And Jamar Chase is great, don't get me wrong, but, like, I don't know. I still can't believe that A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf were on the same college team at the same time. Like, I don't know how that team didn't do more than have a mediocre, like, 500 season. How about... Uh, Micah Parsons and uh, Owe, the yeah. pass rusher on the Ravens, being yeah. on the same team, too. That one's a little bit more understandable, though, because Penn State was like a powerhouse at that time. Yeah. 
but Ole Miss lost to Cal. There's no <laughs> excuse for that. A.J. Brown didn't play. D.K. Metcalf did. Hey, we'll take it. Okay, so, uh, you know, most people don't think the Bengals will beat the Chiefs. I am in that list. But, hey, they keep proving people wrong. So maybe we'll have this divisional round magic continue and be in for a great game. Why not us? <laughs> wow. Should we move to Sunday? Let's do it. Okay, uh, Rams at Buccaneers. Dear God, this game. I actually didn't watch it live because I was so disgusted by football, and I am so glad I didn't watch it live because I probably would have wanted to die every single second of the way, even though I kind of knew what was going on. And before I give it to you, because I know you did watch this and can offer better insight here, uh, the Rams were 27-3, to and when we were home, just for the listeners, a little context, I started doing this thing that began during the Lions-Cardinals game, when the Lions were just killing them, and I would give my uh, live percentage chances to win, and they would be, like, ridiculously pessimistic and conservative, being like, yeah, the Lions probably have, like, a 46% chance to pull this out when they were up, like, 27-6 in the early fourth quarter, you know, stuff like that. So I told you and Dad, Rams 52% chance to win, which seemed on paper ridiculously low, but I think that no, actually was, pretty was, that was pretty spot on. Yeah. Okay, so I was like you. I was so upset at this point that I told myself I was not going to watch this game because I, I just had some suspicion that Tom Brady was going to pull this game out and it was just going to upset me even more so I was deliberately not checking my phone at the library studying but it came time for a study break so I look at my phone I see that it's 27-13 late and I'm like you know what I think the Rams are going to pull this one out I'm just going to watch the end because even though I'm still sad about the Packers I think watching the Bucks fall apart might bring me a little bit of joy and help me feel better and sure enough, as soon as I start watching, everything just starts going wrong. The Bucks come storming back. Um, they get it to 27-20. to 20. Late, the Rams get the ball back, and they run it on first down, short gain. They run it on second down. Cam Akers fumbles um, deep in the Rams' own territory, and sure enough, the, score, the Buccaneers score shortly thereafter. And then... Right when the Rams get the ball back, Matt Stafford fumbled, I think, on the first play. And luckily, he fell back on it. But when he lost that ball, I could just see it all happening. The Bucks recovering, winning 30-27 on a field goal, and my day just being absolutely ruined. But Matt Stafford falls on the ball. He throws two huge passes to Cooper Cup, thank God. And the Rams end up pulling that one out. But it was absolutely a crazy game I kind of wish I could have appreciated it more if it was just like two more neutral teams but um yeah that was absolutely wild I think that even the t people who tend to defend Tom Brady for being great kind of understood that he got very lucky in that game yeah well I got a text from someone very close to us who grew up a Patriots fan and a Brady fan and even he was like Tom Brady is the luckiest player 
of all time. And yes, he has cashed in on those opportunities. You know, we can't have an episode talking about one quarterback not cashing in on the opportunities. So Tom Brady has cashed in on his opportunities. I'll give him credit for that. It's just that the fact that those opportunities were there to begin with was always insane to me. And um, yeah, I didn't watch this game because I still do care very much about the Rams having worked with them in this last summer. I'm not trying to now claim that I am the same level of invested in that team as I was the Packers this year. But what I am invested in is my coworkers, and there were a lot of really kind people. I didn't have amazing expectations just because you never really know what you're going to expect kind of entering the real world, so to speak. But just people of all different ages have been more gracious to me than I ever could have asked for and so I was very very happy for them I think it would have been too much for me thinking of them to watch that game live Uh, I got a lot of really relieved texts after that game so I'm, I'm very happy for them four fumbles for them three in the second half and by the way how desperate do I have to be to be at a point where I'm like just praying for Jalen Ramsey to make like a big play (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you, you are not a big Jalen Ramsey fan, so that just shows the extent of your desperation. I'm happy for the Rams knocking off the defending champs. They are on to host an NFC Championship game as the number four seed, so pretty crazy stuff there. Good for them. Uh, let's move to the last. Oh, we didn't give our slap. I'm sorry about that. Slap. Uh, this one is Waiting for the End by Linkin Park. I mean, that just pretty much explains itself. It speaks for itself. Yes. All right. Why don't we move <laughs> on to uh, one of the least depressing games of this week. It may be the least depressing, just because it was such a great game. I don't know, man. I was, I was in a lot of pain from the day before, and I was in a lot of pain for Bill's Mafia. This is Dear God Part 2. Uh, we'll start with every slap to make sure I don't forget this time. Got to take it to the old One Direction right here. <laughs> I just got to ask you a question. Does it ever drive you crazy just how fast the night changes? Yeah. What was the set? How many lead changes in the last two minutes of the game? I Three, four, something crazy. The bottom line is the Bills had a drive to no. take a lead with 13 seconds remaining on the clock, which is just absurd, and the game is pretty much over. They kicked it deep. Uh, two big plays later by the way that was improv Travis Kelsey was like yeah I'm probably just gonna go to the middle if they do the same thing and at the line of scrimmage Mahomes is like do it Kels do it well I mean also can we talk about what Tyreek Hill did the drive before and how he just outran the entire Bills secondary and I think that the Travis Kelsey play was only possible because they were so worried about Tyreek Hill busting another one deep that they had to play softer coverage on him so that just shows how much of an effect he has on the offense well you have probably the best quarterback in the league I know it's more of a debate now I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback and you got two great weapons Hill and Kelsey that is a handful yeah can we talk about the Bills for a second because Gabriel Davis had eight catches for 201 yards and four touchdowns out of nowhere Josh Allen this playoffs 48 for 62, that's a 77.4% completion rate. For 637 yards, nine touchdowns, no 
interceptions, and the lower of his two passer ratings was 136. I don't think he could have had a better playoffs. Yeah, tough to pin this one on him. I do feel a lot for the guy. I mean, I don't know what more the Bills team could have asked of him. No, you know, we said in, what was it, 2019, we said if Patrick Mahomes touches the ball in overtime when they lost to the Patriots, they win the game. Yeah. I Back then, I thought the overtime rules sucked. I still think they suck because if the Bills won the coin toss, they probably would be celebrating. I don't think it's that far-fetched to say it. And again, the fact that we have to speculate is frustrating. Yeah, um, absolutely. I do... We'll say this, though. The Chiefs did get unlucky on the overtime rules in the AFC Championship two years ago. So, I mean... That's only because they were playing against Tom Brady. If it had happened again to them, I would have almost felt worse. But either way, overtime rules need to change. um, And this game just showed why. Josh Allen also had 27 carries for 149 yards in those two games, too. That had to have been better than any of the running backs. Probably, and Singletary was really good (laughs) against the Patriots. Well, it's the deadliest running back trio of all time with (laughs) Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and Matt Breida. Oh, you know it. It's it's the best. They put up, hold on, quick math, 83 points in their two playoff games, and they're not going past the divisional round. So that's what I'm saying. The Packers caused us so much pain but for a different reason. Yeah. Like, I feel way worse for the Bills just as a football fan. Yeah. And like I said, in a fair world, Bills and Chiefs advance, Niners and Packers are gone. But that is not how it's going to be. So let's move into this week's matchups. Uh, AFC Championship, the Bengals and Chiefs, we talked about it a little bit. They played in Week 17. The Bengals beat them 34-31 in Cincinnati. Now they're going to Arrowhead. Uh, The only team to beat the Chiefs in that 12-13 week stretch that we referenced. So, sorry to be that guy. I just don't see them winning this game at Arrowhead. They have the weakest roster remaining. And the idea that the Chiefs suck was literally just so that they could all mess with us back in week 7. It's like, in weeks 3-7, to they probably had a meeting in the locker room. And they're like... You know, guys, we're all feeling a little off. Like, hey, what if we just decided we showed the league that we're actually not invincible and that we're capable of not being that good, and then we just, like, flip a switch later? I feel like maybe that's not what happened, but I don't know. I guess we'll never know. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think that the Chiefs should be able to handle this one. I mean, the Bengals did beat them pretty recently. That one was in Cincinnati, um, and... I don't know. Like you said, the Bengals, I think, have the least talented roster left of the four teams. Their line has been very shaky. We forget that Joe Burrow got sacked nine times in that game against the Titans, and they ended up covering up for it in other ways. But against a great team like the Chiefs, I don't think they're going to be able to get away with uh, mistakes like that. Well, let's talk about what happened because... People are probably like, well, the Bengals did beat the Chiefs, so let's talk about it. Uh, Neither Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey actually had a very impressive stat line. Tyreek Hill was like six catches for 40. Kelsey was five for 25 and a touchdown, I think. And the Chiefs put up 28 points in the first half, only three in the second half. Their offense kind of stalled. It was a little weird. 
Jamar Chase absolutely torched them. He had 266 yards and three touchdowns. He gave them the Gabriel Davis treatment. Exactly. <laughs> and, well, actually, speaking of Gabriel Davis, he really capitalized on Tyron Matthew having to exit that game. And it was just like, cool, let's just throw it to Gabriel Davis over the middle, and he's going to catch the ball. So let's see if the Honey Badger plays. I think if he doesn't, you can start looking at the bigger targets like T. Higgins and C.J. Uzama to maybe – open up the offense for the Bengals. We'll see if Joe Mixon can get it going on the ground. Um, the Chiefs are my pick to win the Super Bowl at this point. I know that's not a hot take at all, but you know, credit to the Bengals. And I actually have a question to ask you. Okay. Thought of it in the moment. So this summer, when we talked about uh, Denmark and the run they had in the Euro Cup, how inspiring that was, getting all the way to the semifinals after what happened with Christian Eriksen, do you think this Bengals run is the most inspiring thing we've seen since then? Because, you know, Harambe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I was wondering where that, I was, like, ready to provide my counter-argument. Oh, my. Yes. Honestly, that would be... That would make the Bengals a much more lovable team if they, like, held, like, some, like, honorary ceremony for Harambe pregame. I think... Like the thirteen-year-old boys would get really into the Bengals. Yeah, you say lovable. I think a good chunk of the population would probably hate them too. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> Why not oh us? My. Why not us? So you picking the Chiefs as well? I'm gonna pick the Chiefs. Yeah. Woo! Well, hey, we went two for four last week. Perfect Sunday. That's all that matters, <laughs> right? Uh, cool. NFC Championship. 49ers at Rams. Well, well, well. Didn't we just have that matchup at SoFi Stadium? Yeah, this one's interesting. I know that you said in last week's episode that you don't like using games that happened early in the season to predict uh, the same matchup in playoff games. But, but this, this was one basically did, a playoff game. It was basically a playoff game, and it happened three weeks ago. So do you think that that means that the Niners really have a good chance and it's going to be a close game? The Rams are obviously favored. How do you feel this one will play out? This one's trickier, and I also think that divisional opponents meeting in the playoffs is another layer of complexity to the whole thing. Uh, I mean, you'd think the Rams are by far the better team here on paper, but Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay. There's really no way around that narrative at this point, kind of like there's no way around the Packers getting owned by the Niners narrative or Aaron Rodgers can't perform in the big moments over the last decade narrative. Uh, On one hand, beating a team is really hard to do three times in a season. That's what the Niners have to do twice on the road. They have a banged-up roster that's already inferior. On the other hand, the Rams are also expecting Matthew Stafford to have three good games in a row, which we know might be a bit much to ask based on his playing patterns this season. I'm not trying to throw out any kind of Stafford hate narrative. I just want to be fair about it, which is when he's on, as he was last week, he is great. He can win you a game. He beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. That's crazy. But when he's not playing well, he can look terrible and be really problematic. And the Niners, for whatever reason, are getting teams in the funk. The Cowboys look terrible. The Packers look terrible. And the Rams have not looked good twice. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. I 
I think that the Rams do end up on top in this one. Like you said, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season, and I think that the 49ers, we forget, they haven't looked great this playoffs, um, especially last week. And the Rams looked great in Wild Card Weekend by blowing out the Cardinals, and they pulled off an upset against the Bucks. Um, I think that also just as a neutral football fan, I would like to see a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl. I think that's the best possible matchup at this point. And as someone who's kind of biased toward the Rams, I would also like to see a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl. I'm fine if the Niners win, too. I'm not going to die, you know what I mean? But it's I would really like to see the Rams. And I do think stopping Cooper Cup again is a really hard task. So yeah. it's hard to make a pick. I'll take the Rams. I could see this one being kind of an ugly game, though. The Niners really have the advantage when games get ugly. Yep. So, I don't know. It's going to be good, for sure. Niners fans are going to flood that stadium. Yeah, did you see the thing how initially the Rams were only going to limit the tickets to people in Southern California area codes? Really? Yeah. That's kind of savage. I mean, makes sense. I mean, the 49ers kind of owned that stadium in Week 18. So we'll see who really has home field advantage and whether that plays a factor or not. Yeah, well, the Rams, if they win this, might have home field advantage in the Super Bowl. We will have had 54 years of a team never playing at home in the Super Bowl and then two years in a row of it happening. That would just be wild. Yeah, it'd be crazy. And it might happen, so... Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, uh, so you said you're picking the Rams? I am picking the Rams. Yeah, same here. Cool. Rams versus Chiefs, and yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't feel very confident in my picks at this point, but that's just how it's going to go. Let's move to shout-out to keeping the episode relatively short, and you know, now we've moved past the pain. I'm a new person now. Would you like to begin on shout-outs, or am I going to take the lead here? Uh, I'll, I'll give my shout-out first. Um, this is probably one that I should have made a really long time ago, and I don't know why it slipped my mind until just now. But I would like to shout-out Dylan Yang, the wife of our Chancellor Henry Yang, who always plays a prominent role in the substanceless emails that are sent out to the UCSB community. And apparently Dylan Yang cannot wait for a return to our vibrant campus life. Um, so shout out to her for really looking out for the gauchos and keeping Henry company. Let's go, Dilling. Spelled D-I-L-L-I-N-G, by the way. Not to be confused with Dylan or Dill Pickle. Dilling. Dilling. And your fantasy team name was actually Dilling the Clock as a pun for killing the clock. So, you know, she has a very prominent role in your life. And maybe in more than one way. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Okay, weirdo. <laughs> um, okay, well, my shout-out's going to be a little less ridiculous. I have two. They kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. I would like to shout-out my friend Patty from the Rams. She has a very tough personality. She's able to overcome a lot of chaos and has worked unbelievably hard this season as a member of the Rams' social media team. So, among many other people, I will be thinking of her this Sunday. Patty, I'm going to send you this link, so you're going to have to listen to this. 
and this is me also telling you to fucking eat a snack or something on game day because I can't bring you food anymore. Uh, speaking oh. of the Rams, I'd also like to give a shout out to Serena Morales, who I could honestly shout out every single episode if I wanted to and still feel like it's justified. I know that she has had a challenging week as well, being faced with some tough news, but she is a rock star every single day and works so hard, even though she makes it look effortless on camera. Wow, that was very wholesome and nice of you. I'm glad that we're both shouting out the people who are most important in our respective lives. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, any final thoughts for Potty Train Me Unlimited community? Uh, I'm just glad that we got this episode over with. I'm glad that we don't have to deal with a Packers NFC Championship heartbreak next week. So I'm ending the episode on some positivity. Um, but until then, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. But for now, there's nothing left to say but goodbye. Thank you.